Welcome to the Sustainability and You podcast, a series of interviews focusing on facts shared by passionate advocates who are part of the movement towards net zero. I'm Josephine Bush, and I'm the founder of the Sustainability and You platform. And I'm Tilly Wickens, the leader of our Young Ambassadors Council. In this podcast series, our aim is to raise awareness, encourage collaboration, and join the dots between disciplines that will influence policy and decision-making as we move to net zero. We are aiming to bridge the gap between silos and generations, strengthening the lines of communication with a small, influential community of people who care and are passionate about how we create change. Welcome everyone to today's Sustainability and You episode. I'm Philip Schauer, one of the Sustainability and You Young Ambassadors and today's co-host. Josephine and I are talking to Angelica Afanado, a director at Guidehouse and executive director of the PCAF Secretariat, and Thiert Krumpelmann, global head of business advisory, reporting and engagement at ABN AMRO and member of the PCAF board. Our conversation will evolve around the Partnership for Carbon Accounting Financials, or short PCAF, and the topic of finance emissions. More specifically, we will talk about the origins of PCAF and how the first global finance emissions accounting standard was developed. We will discuss the mechanics of measuring finance emissions and how calculating finance emissions actually enables financial institutions to make strategic decisions in decarbonizing portfolios to reach their net zero targets, and also to drive tangible impact in the real economy. And finally, we will also talk about how different data quality can lead to different results and how data quality can generally be improved. Before we jump into the episode, I would like to define PCAF and finance emissions in a bit more detail, as I believe it will give the relevant context for the entire episode. PCAF is a global partnership of financial institutions whose aim is to drive transparency and accountability within the financial industry on its journey to net zero. PCAF is developing and implementing standards that provide a global framework on how to measure and disclose financed emissions. Financed emissions are the greenhouse gas emissions that are associated with loans and investments of financial institutions at a very specific point in time and also in line with financial accounting periods. Placing financed emissions within the greenhouse gas protocols definitions of scope 1, 2 and 3 emissions would place financed emissions in downstream scope 3 emissions category 15, which is all around investments. I hope this provides the relevant context for today's episode, and I genuinely hope you enjoy the conversation with Angelica and Tiert as much as we did. So uh, welcome Angelica and Tiert to the Sustainability and You podcast. Uh, Philip and I are absolutely delighted uh, to have this uh, time to talk to you uh, about PCAF. Um, but before we dive into it, we'd love to hear about your roles uh, chaired at ABM 
uh, Amro uh, and Angelica, you uh, Guidehouse. Um, so could we start there and just find out a little bit about you individually and your uh, backgrounds um, and then perhaps hear about some of your journey uh, in your professions today as to how you got to where you are. Um, perhaps we could start with you, Angelica. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Josephine and Philip. Yeah, so um, my name is Angelica Panador. I am a director at Guidehouse, uh, where I'm leading all activities in the field of sustainable finance. Um, I have more than 60 years of experience on supporting financial institutions in the transition of the portfolios in that topic of decarbonization, which we call now net zero emission goals. And in my role here at Guidehouse, I work with banks and investors through that complex landscape of, of the climate transition. Um, that basically means measuring finance emissions, uh, that's, um, target setting, um, creating transition plans, and also trying to identify practical steps to achieve decarbonization in the real economy. I'm also serving as the executive director of PICAP, overseeing the organization's missions and strategy, um, also enabling the collaboration with, with the industry and um, the industry and the stakeholders. And I work very closely with Tier, who is um, a member of the, of the PICAP board. Um, and um, how I got here, it's... It's a long journey <laughs> already. I I was born and grew up actually uh, in a town, a small town in Colombia, where um, was a lot of oil and gas pumping and refinery. So I got to see a lot of the oil and gas pollution uh, in my growing up years. And I think that was my... Uh, inspiration to um, go into environmental engineering when I went to university and to um, to get into the environmental world, sustainability world. Uh, so then my whole career has been focused uh, on the sustainability issues and more prominently on the climate topic. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's uh, quite an inspiring uh, story and introduction to the, the, the world of sustainability. Um, not to put pressure on you, Chia, to follow that story, but we'd love to hear about your journey as well and your role. Yeah, a very different journey, uh, I must say, to, uh, compared to Angelica. But uh, for me, also uh, great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Um, so, and I always uh, emphasize that my, my day job is at ABN AMRO. Uh, I've been there for about 23 years now. Um, and for the last 10 years, I've been involved in our sustainability efforts and sustainability journey uh, from, a, from a central uh, sustainability department, which, um, uh, I, and I lead the, the work that we do there on reporting and on regulations and on stakeholder management. And my other day job is at PCAF, where I have the privilege of working with people like Angelica and and other uh, others from Guidehouse. And on the uh, I serve on the board of PCAF, and um, I've also had the great pleasure of being part of the PCAF journey from the from the very beginning, um, uh, where we where we started with just a few banks or financial institutions here in the Netherlands, very small, uh, with an ambition. Uh, 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 to to set up some some sort of guidelines on carbon accounting or a draft methodology on on carbon accounting, just for the Dutch financial sector, 
uh, and it's been really enjoyable to see how that has taken off uh, and how how that has been evolving uh, with the support of so many people uh, over these last years. So uh, I'm very happy that I can remain committed and, and involved in that in that journey. And um, and I'm also very quite proud of where we are today. Fabulous. Thank you also for sharing that story. So I think we're going to get some wonderful insights today as to the evolution of uh, PCAF, its remit, uh, objectives and impacts. Perhaps we could start then uh, on that basis then with you, um, Chad. Um, ABN AMRO has been one of the founding members, as you say, of PCAF, um, and it's very deeply involved in the development and progression um, of the standard. Um, it's certainly an inspiring story. Um, I just wonder if you can talk us through the origins of it. You've alluded to that somewhat um, in your current role, um, its growth uh, and global uh, expansion uh, objectives, just to help our audience really um, get behind that evolutionary story. Yeah, and it's and it's an interesting one, um, I think, as well, because how it started is that a few uh, sustainability experts from different financial institutions were invited to a meeting to discuss the concept of uh, measuring scope three emissions and the, the ideas behind it. And we all felt the responsibility and the urgency that we needed to, that, that the financial sector has uh, uh, on the emissions of their clients and in their portfolio. But in different ways, we were struggling in how to get the data and how to measure it and how to, how to really um, put that into practice. And we were invited by, by a small, very sustainable Dutch bank called ASN Bank. And um, they said, Can, is this something that we, that we should be working on together? And everybody felt that that was a good idea in itself, that you know, we shouldn't invent the wheel separately. We should work on the wheel together. Yeah. Uh, so there was a very positive atmosphere. And, and one of the principles that we, that we decided on early on, or in my recollection, recollection even in that first meeting was that this should be something open source uh, fully collaborative uh, and not not the newest standard or secret secret recipe you can only do this in 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 a very open collaboration and i think to this day the methodologies that we use they are publicly available you can just download them from the website you can um, you can look at there's a database of how companies are reporting and, and measuring uh, on their carbon accounts, uh, on their carbon impacts. And we are learning in a very collaborative and open source way from each other. And I think this is how it started uh, six or seven years ago. And it's still true today. So we are still learning from each other through the network. Um, and the methodologies are still completely open source. There's no secrets. Uh, there's no... Um, um, well, th there's no difficulties or challenges for someone to start using the methodology, and we and and we develop them in a very collaborative way as well. Um, uh, and and that's something that I've really enjoyed from the beginning, and I think it's also uh, maybe part of the of the success and of the growth and the uptake that we've seen. Uh, so starting in the Netherlands, just a few financials there. It's now up to 23, 24 here in, in the Netherlands. But very soon, we also uh, got interest from other countries. And we launched um, the PCAF Global 
during Climate Week in 2019, if I'm correct. Um, and since then, we've seen the uptake to now. With, uh, and I know uh, Angelica may have the, the latest number because this number is increasing every day. But it's, we're, we are well over 400 financial institutions around the world um, that have signed up and committed uh, to this PCAF methodology, which is amazing and something that we never expected uh, back then, with a with a clear growth path to over a thousand financials in the next couple of years. So, amazing growth and uh, and a great collaboration. Incredible growth, isn't it? When you talk about it within that timeline, did you find at the outset, um, and perhaps this is a philosophical question, really, that there was consensus around the re- responsibility of financial institutions to assess? and report on uh, financed uh, emissions? Or was that in itself uh, a debate that had to be had? No, the, the I think the consensus was there. There was a, I mean, there are different views. There were different views back then, and there still are today, to what extent um, uh, attribution to a, to a financed um, uh, emission uh, could be attributed to a to a financial institution. There, there is difference in flavor there or in opinions. But the the fact that there is a responsibility for the financial sector in their scope three emissions, that consensus was was uh, was there from the beginning and it's still there today. The the hurdle that we felt is how can we how can we measure this? Because if we cannot if we feel responsible for something and you cannot measure it and there's no way of steering on it, uh, then you have no idea if you're doing this right and how to compare it to others and how to uh, that that was kind of holding us back in really expressing that responsibility uh, because you can feel responsible for something, but if you have no way of measuring it or, or um, knowing that uh, you're, you're taking decisions that are bringing you on the, on the right path, that in itself was holding some financial institutions back. But all in all, especially sustainability people, they, they, they all agree on this. And then at the outset, once you've measured what the impact of that data is and how it influences decision-making, is there equally consensus around that? So what what you do with the information that you have? Well, I think this is where the profile and the strategies of different financial institutions uh, can differ. And and it can also be different for an insurance company than for a bank, for an asset manager than for a bank. So this is where we can, there's no... Um, well, th- there will be differences on this, uh, and there were differences on this in the beginning, and that's okay as long as we uh, as we as we measure it uh, uh, in a similar in a similar way. Um, then we can still choose to have different reduction pathways or um, or different engagement policies towards our clients or different exclusion policies. Um, and it's and we also found some common ground, of course, in the Paris Agreement, right? Where 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 the world already agreed that we should uh, take the, take up uh, this responsibility and the direction um, that this should be heading in. So we had some common ground, um, but still, uh, and this is still true today. I think there's different approaches, different ambition levels within the financial sector, as there is in in any sector. Yeah, I'm. I'm just curious because you talked about at the beginning, it's the the feeling of responsibility from a financial institution that perhaps made them join PCAF, um, especially in the earlier days. 
how do you think that has changed nowadays? So what are the incentives of a financial institutions to join? And I'm thinking also, you know, in terms of regulation, legislation, I mean, CSRD, etc. So how do you think that has changed? And why should a financial institution become a signatory of PCAF? Well, it has changed quite a bit from uh, what I would call a more voluntary space where we were looking for the answers and, and sometimes also debating the level of responsibility to a much more regulated space, right? So this is, and you mentioned CSRD already, um, but there's there's an enormous amount of regulation uh, that's clearly stating uh, that the financial sector has a more formal responsibility uh, in the value chain that they are active in and in the carbon emissions that they are um, uh, that are in their um, value chain. So, so I, I think in the Netherlands, this wasn't much of a debate in 2016, 2017, but I recognize that in different jurisdictions, uh, this was not as um, as evolved yet, Or, uh, but now with, with the regulations that and the, the state of play that it is now, um, uh, we are way beyond that, that point of discussion, um, if there even was any discussion. Uh, and most of our conversations are around, but how can we do this? Not, not do we need to do this, but how can we really do this and make it meaningful? Um, uh, so that's, I think that's a uh, that's a, a change of the times that that we've all experienced, um, uh, and and PCAF members have benefited from it uh, because we are giving them the tools uh, to do so. Um, so Angelica, if I could pull you in, I'd love to sort of go back to some of the basics and uh, ask you to explain what we mean by financed uh, emissions. Uh, let's start there and then build on that. Okay, so the methodologies of PCAP are actually have been expanded since, since the first version of the standard, which was published in 2020. Um, now we have three standards, two published, one under the making. The first standard that uh, that we have is the finance emission standards. The second standard is the insurance associated um, emission standard. And the third one, which will be published this year, it's the one on capital market instruments, also known as the facilitated emission standard. So I'm going to focus on the finance emission standard, which is a more, you know, less complex than the other ones yeah. um, to, to, to get the message across. And I will make it first with a, with an, with a simple example for the audience who maybe uh, are not very familiar with um, the, the technical terminolo ter terminology of the greenhouse gas protocol. So imagine uh, uh, ABM members we have here, here, they have a large portfolio of real estate. And real estate means that uh, the bank, the uh, ABM member bank, they invest in buildings, in the building sector. Um, they invest either by lending uh, money to corporate, corporates or companies that hold those those buildings, or maybe they um, they just invest in in um, in real estate uh, funds or real estate companies. So let's let's focus then on, on the example of lending. So imagine that you are um, a, an owner of a large building, and the operations of that building have. Has um, they have, for example, emissions that are coming from the electricity use, from the heat uh, consumption. 
those emissions are the emissions that are being responsible by the owner of the vehicle. ABM AMRO is given a loan to that owner. And that's, um, that loan is being used for the operations of that building. So in a way, indirectly, ABM AMRO is responsible for the emissions that the operations of the building are causing. Yeah? So that's what we call the finance emissions. So there is a portion of those emissions that are indirectly in the portfolio of ABM AMRO. And how are those, uh, how is this portion calculated? It's what we call an attribution or an attribution factor. And that it's very simple to, uh, to define. It's basically the exposure that ABM AMRO has through this loan, the financial exposure, basically the loan amount under the value of the building. Yeah. And the value of the building is, uh, how much uh, in the market this, this, uh, this building um, um, yeah, what is the value of the building in the market? There are some nuances in the methodology to calculate that uh, denominator. I don't need to go into that level of detail, but for, for simplicity, that's how um, we define the attribution. Anyone who has perhaps even read uh, the standard A on, on finance emissions, um, they will have seen a graph that talks about the end-to-end -end activity chain for a financial institution mm -hmm. to reach well, net zero, or at least, you know, the pathway towards net zero. And I guess we can summarize that in, in four different steps, which is measuring, measuring and disclosing, then setting targets, developing net zero strategies. And the last one will be taking action against those, those strategies. So where do you see PCAF being, or where does PCAF sit? And then how does PCAF engage with other partnerships, frameworks, or standard setters? to address steps um, two, three, four? Yeah, I would like to go back to, to the question of consensus, because that basically ties or circles the story into where do, where do we want to get? And where we, when, where we want to get to is to net zero before we hit 2050. Where does uh, where, where the, the goal come from? And that is the Paris Agreement, which Theodore already mentioned earlier. In COP21, um, the agreement reached to a point where uh, financial institutions were called to put their, you know, their efforts to align their financial flows towards an alignment to net zero. Yeah. And then that follows the question, how do we do that? And how do we do that? It's not a, a straight that line towards net zero. It's a really a complex um, journey. But of course, complexity needs to be broken down into simple pieces so that we can all together say, okay, let's align on this and let's start working towards that goal. And that is uh, the, the, the steps that you, uh, you mentioned, Philip. It's a way to simplify the journey to be able to move forward in unison towards that. And as Thier said before, it's not that every step is done exactly the same by every financial institution. It depends on their business goals. It depends on their climate goals and sustainability goals wide, uh, widely. And also depends what are the regulations and policies in place wherever the institution is operating. So when you think about shifting your financial flows or aligning your financial flows towards um, uh, the net zero goal, you need to think about where you are 
at the moment in order to to define that baseline that will help you set the goals and will help you identify what direction are you going. And that's where PICA plays a role. PICA plays the role in defining that baseline. So when you look at a portfolio, say of loans or investments, you have real estate, you have business loans in different sectors of the economy, maybe heavy emitting sectors, um, maybe you have motor vehicle loans or project finance. These specific asset classes need to be um, understood in terms of climate impact in order for a bank or an investor to go deep into what are the the hotspots in terms of carbon and what can be done with that portfolio that you have today in order to get to that alignment to net zero. And um, the second piece is because the portfolios are not static, banks and investors are always looking uh, for opportunities, then how do you actually take upon or seize those opportunities that, that the transition is posing, that the transition is opening for the financial industry so that the financial industry can also support that transition. So um, in maybe in, in before 2019 or maybe in the 2019 uh, times when we launched PCAF, um, a lot of the, the criticism was about um, divestment. Like divestment was the only way to decarbonize portfolios. And that basically meant sort of a greenwashing criticism because if ABM Agro will, will sell all real estate loans, then of course the real estate carbon uh, climate impact will be zero. But somebody else who buy those loans is carrying that impact. So the impact in the real economy is the same. So the emissions are there, right? So when I when you think about decarbonizing your portfolio, it's really thinking about how the bank, how ABM Agro works with the real estate companies that they have um, loans or investment into to help those companies make their buildings more energy efficient, uh, that they uh, invest in renewable energy technologies. And so that at some point in the future, 2030, I think is uh, ABM AMRO's uh, goal uh, to get to net zero, then you have buildings that are so tight energy-wise that the carbon impact of those buildings are aligned with the, with the net zero pathway. That's the fast-changing landscape, isn't it, in terms of the use case of the mm-hmm. data that you ascertain through this sort of standardised approach to calculating financed uh, emissions. And if we think about the evolving risk landscape, which is also fast-moving, like you know, assessments of risk in line with more sophisticated climate modelling, but also uh, the adjustment of credit ratings in line with that perception of of, of risk. Um, how do you see your engagement with those use cases uh, evolving in line with that sort of baseline of data gathering and the uniform approach with that? Because I can see within the private sector that there'll be concern around if I give you this data, then how that data gets used in terms of a financing decision. Uh, It's an opportunity and a concern. If I reflect on the evolution of PICAP 
and especially the pickup users or, or pickup signatories. When we started in 2019, the main concern was data. We don't have data. Uh, or if we have data, it's a low quality. We bankers and investors are so um, concerned about risk. And every time that we have, we run risk models, we want the most precise data ever to make decisions. So, and, and another way of saying this, it's better to be a little bit right than to be completely wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was the criticism. Yeah. That, uh, that there was no data. But the message of pickup was let's not be, uh, make the perfect the enemy of the good. And what we meant by that was let's move together towards using the data that we have, because that way we start measuring. And by measuring, by doing this exercise, you realize what are the blind spots. You realize where do you need to focus on your data gathering for the next year and the following years. Why? Because the portfolio is large. If you're talking about a million large bank, these are large portfolios of loans and investments. It could be in the order of 1,000. You cannot measure 100% at the first go. But by measuring for the first time, you can find hotspots. And those hotspots basically are your compass to focus on what matters. And so by focusing on what matters, you might find that there are certain uh, number of, uh, of clients, if you are a bank, where you can actually start engaging uh, more prominently in order to get better data and in order to influence those clients towards the decarbonization in the real economy. And, and, and just to clarify, because I'm sure people will be interested in this, that you see that information being used as an engagement tool as opposed right. to a penalizing tool mm -hmm. uh, or divestment tool. I think you, you, you answered the question on divestment, but I, I think people could you know rightly be concerned about does this increase my cost of capital um if i'm engaging with the delivery of the requisite information that helps with this these assessments can you just say something about that the use case of the information from a financial institution perspective yeah so the so the what the pcaf methodology does is it brings you very very well, I'm going to say easy. It's not easy, but it brings you a very clear picture of where your carbon impacts are, where they are the biggest. Um, and to the example that Angelica shared, it the, the goal then is not to offload those carbon impacts, but to, to reduce them uh, uh, and to engage with your clients or your investee companies, or uh, de depending on what type of financial institution you are, um, but the, the PCAF methodology is there very much at the beginning of this process. It, it, it analyzes your, um, your impacts, your carbon impacts over your entire uh, portfolio and the different asset classes that you may have on your uh, balance sheet or within your, uh, the scope three of your financial institution. And then following that, you can make more detailed plans on how to in the case of ABN AMRO, how we support our clients in their transition um, to, to a more sustainable business model. 
and again, and the effects of that you can measure again using PCAF. Um, uh, and uh, but you also need, uh, and we also use the PCAF methodology for other, let's say, more regulatory work in TCFD and in CSRD. But you can set pathways using science-based targets or using net zero banking approaches. But the, the heat, I'm, I, I quite often call it the heat map. It can be a little bit confusing because we also use heat map in a more climate risk way. But the heat map of where your biggest carbon impacts are, that's the, the starting point And that's what you can do uh, using the, the PCAF methodologies. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's highlighting in the sort of financial materiality, sort of speak, where some of those uh, higher risks are. Um, I mean, this against the sort of fast evolving regulatory landscape is, uh, I suppose, helping because on the one hand, you have regulation or and new standards such as the ISSB standards one and two that have come out that will help provide a sort of global reporting baseline as well, uh, if, if nothing else. Um, with everybody moving to the same space, you've got the you know public sector or publicly listed institutions that are adopting these standards, um, moving towards greater disclosure and a greater granularity of disclosure that will help with the um, information gathering from a a financial institution perspective. What about the private market, though, and private sector, um, and how how do you expect that sector to respond to these increasing information demands? And and in that respect, and particularly with private sector, um, when you talk about engagement, you know, using this data from a financial institution perspective to engage, how how do you see that evolving? Because that's quite a challenging. Uh, part of the market to tackle, isn't it? Yeah, maybe one one addition before I comment on that, which we've not addressed in in um, in this uh, recording so far. But what is really important for PCAF, and it's it's almost too obvious, so that's why I forgot to mention it. But we limit ourselves completely to the financial sector. Yeah. So the the carbon accounting methodologies that we have developed are only meant and designed for the financial sector. Mm -hmm. So for banks, uh, insurance companies, asset managers, pension funds, et cetera. I think that's part of our success. Uh, It it has helped us a a long way. And it also creates clarity uh, quite a bit. So so the methodologies are are for financials, but it does tap into these other developments that you're mentioning, ISSB, CSRD, uh, where where the financial sector is also mentioned as being a, a, a very impactful part of of the real economy, so so and and where it taps in, so where it where it comes together is in, in for instance in the data challenge, right? If we want to improve our carbon data, then we need to invite our clients yeah. to come up with more granular data and to to start reporting on that. And this is where ISSB, CSRD, um, the more mandatory. Uh, disclosures can really help us improve the carbon data or the data quality. And we were aware of this at the beginning, that there is uh, this journey of data quality. And that's why we introduced the data quality score as well. So you can have very generic sector-based average data, uh, which has a low data quality score, or you can have the real 
client-related granular data with assurance, et cetera, and that would have a very high data quality score. And what we see now moving for many uh, PCAF participants is that slowly they are able to improve their data quality score, partly because they are engaging with their clients and getting better data, partly because PCAF is helping them with uh, databases, uh, with more granular, but also driven by regulations. Our clients are reporting a lot more on their carbon emissions now than they were five years ago. So this is where it all comes together. Yeah, uh, and it's a start. To, to your point, <laughs> don't let perfection be the enemy of good. You've got to start somewhere, and the ripple effect of that obviously will be felt that private sector needs to start somewhere as well uh, and to contribute. Over to you, Philip, for your question. Yeah, I I mean, you basically answered the, the question in the last part of your response, which was just, I, I wanted to understand how you see this level of sophistication in terms of data availability, how, how that's changed over over time or where you see that going. But I think uh, I think you've answered that, that we see an increasing level of sophistication, which is also driven by regulation and yeah, from different moving parts, which is which is good to hear and, and great to see. My final question, more putting on, I guess the the young ambassador had is uh, more around I, I want to obviously be politically correct, but within the financial services industry, I think there are quite specific cultures and processes, roles and responsibilities, et cetera. How do you think sustainability is changing that? And from a young point of view, what roles do you see emerging, new, newly emerging or becoming more prominent um, and also more more important for you know driving the change and and redirecting capital flows and making decisions towards a net zero journey. I would invite Angelica to start first because she is on the also on the consulting side. What what, what yes. new roles <laughs> are emerging there? I, I can tell you from the banking perspective, but I think a lot is happening uh, on Angelica's side. So so maybe you start. Just looking at the whole trajectory of how sustainability has been embedded uh, in business and development. Currently, I see that the chief sustainability officer is that role that has emerged. Now, companies that have the climate mandates from the board down to the, the people that are actually doing the work on the, on the real economy um, in any sector, then they have chief sustainability officers and they have a, a unit in, in those companies that really focus on the environmental sustainability climate strategy of the business. So that climate strategy is incorporated in, in the overall strategy is part of it. And, and that's how I see the trajectory. Yeah, on the Chief Sustainability Office, can I quickly ask on that? You, I think many organizations have the CSO role within either or reporting into the CFO or the you know, CEO, et cetera. Is that the right place for for an important role like the chief sustainability officer? Where does it need to go and, and sort of what needs to happen to move it out there, move it up to the executive suite? I think it should be in the executive suite. I think the CEO should be the chief sustainability officer if you want the company strategy to actually be within that, you know, the, the sustainability of the company per se, because 
doing business as we have been doing for so long, it's not going to be um, any more sustainable, financially sustainable, I'm talking about. I had a, a couple of years ago, I had some very uh, strong beliefs on this, that there was only one solution and that the CEO is the only one that can drive sustainability. And, and I still I, I still believe that I still you need the CEO involvement. But I also what I also see happening, and this is partly driven by this emerging CSO responsibility, is that it is an entire board responsibility. So the chief risk is responsible for sustainability risk. The CFO is responsible for sustainability-related disclosures. The CEO is responsible for the overall performance of sustainability. And the chief sustainability kind of supports those different board roles uh, or, or chases them or you know, encourages them to do more. And, and we also, in, in a lot of banks like, like our bank, we have chief commercial officers that are responsible for the for the commercial performance and the performance of clients. And they have a big responsibility with regards to sustainability as well. So it is not, uh, we used to have the chief value officer and the chief, you know, all these all these chiefs. It is definitely CEO or board responsibility. Uh, the regulations is supporting this, eh? governance codes, um, TCFD frameworks, um, uh, CSRD, uh, the regulators like the, the European Central Bank have enormous attention to sustainability. So what I see changing, and, and to your question, what type of roles and people do we need? Um, sustainability teams used to be very small teams with you know experts and driven, passionate specialists on, on sustainability. I think more and more, where sustainability is becoming mainstream in the risk and the finance teams. Uh, we need so much more sustainability expertise uh, in strategy teams, in finance teams. I think there's enormous opportunity for young people that are quite often passionate about the topic, about the future of our planet and their planet and the next generations. I think you can almost pick any role in a, in a financial institution and have a big influence on, on sustainability. I would encourage young people, so your question was related to the, to the young ambassadors, I would in, encourage them to study or to learn uh, from other companies, from other sectors, and bring that perspective into the companies that they are working. That's a very powerful um, uh, tool. Yeah, thank you. And, and I couldn't agree more. And it also opens up so much room for learning and development and you know, upskilling and not just for young people, but I guess for existing teams as well that might be initially perhaps a little hesitant to to go with the flow. But yeah, no, thank you. That was a good answer. Thank you both very much uh, for a really fascinating conversation. We've we've covered quite a lot of ground uh, in a relatively short space of time, but thank you for being so clear and articulate and, and, and succinct um, in, in your answers. I wish we had more time. We don't. Uh, but with that, can I thank you both very much and you, Philip, uh, for your time today. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Thank you so much.